I'm your host, Scott Prerost. With me, as always, uh, my co-sports editor, Reed Watkins. Uh, Reed, big week in ISU sports this past weekend. Uh, a lot going on. Yeah, absolutely. Lots break down here. Um, unfortunately, it seems to be a little bit of a slump for the Redbirds overall, big picture. Yeah, I would I would agree. Uh, we'll start off with the uh, men's basketball team currently riding a three-game losing streak into this matchup against Murray State tonight. Uh, not a lot going the Redbirds' way lately. Um, those losses to Belmont and Bradley are really ugly. And then this loss to Valparaiso, it seemed like the mood within the team was actually a little better than some people might have expected, especially, I mean, you lost by 20 at your home, and then you only lose by five here. You did a lot of fighting at the end of that game. I mean, Valparaiso made some tough shots down the stretch. Quentin Green made some crazy three-pointers there. Ben Cricky really took over at the end. But overall, I I think the Redbirds, it, it, they need to start – they need to start finding some consistency on both sides of the ball because lately their offense, despite that 76 points they had against Valparaiso, and I mean you had 75 against Belmont, but a lot of these points seem to be coming late down the stretch. They need to be able to find this offense early in the game because when they find themselves down, they struggle to come back. Yeah, I think we're seeing um, just more of the effects like we were talking about a little bit earlier of Colton Sanders being out of this lineup, and um, it affects the defense like we are saying a little more than people might think. Um, he's just a, a, a spot of consistency, really, in the lineup. And on both sides of the ball, he kind of makes it work um, one way or another with his play. Yeah, I would agree. And not having him in the lineup obviously really hurts. You do have Darius Burford and Seneca Knight playing at a pretty high level uh, for the Redbirds lately. Darius Burford, especially since that uh, that injury where he had the, pra- the practice after the, uh, the Bradley game. Um, comes back, and he's had a really strong stretch of play over the last four-ish games. So you have pieces that are playing at a high level, but the Redbirds seem to be struggling to put that all together and figure it out on both sides of the ball. Their offense, like I said, has not been great. Their defense, the last three, 90, 79, 81, that's not what you're looking for at all there. So it's we knew this season might not go exactly as some fans had hoped, uh, it's your first season on a new head coach. A lot of turnover within the team, but these last four games are going to be really important for the Redbirds because it's a tough three-game stretch here before you host Evansville on senior day, and you want to be able to create some momentum going into uh, Arch Madness so that maybe you can get past Thursday, maybe even Friday. Yeah, I mean, I think we would have to remember, as if you're an ISU fan, the upsets have swung your way a couple times. I mean, They've knocked off teams towards the top of the conference. And um, I mean, they've also lost to teams that, you know, I mean, Valparaiso probably should have beat them um, twice if you think about where they're seated right now in the standings. Um, but this team's capable of beating other good teams in the NBC uh, when they come together and play as a unit. So um, it's definitely not that the season's over. This ISU just needs to make adjustments and um, – sees a little more consistency on both ends of the floor if it wants to make a run in St. Louis. Yeah, definitely. So a big weekend here as they play uh, Murray State at Sefki Arena tonight before traveling to Indiana State. Um, very different teams are going up against uh, Murray State. Their last three games have not gone their way, lost by over 100 points in those three games combined. And then the Indiana State Sycamores, five straight wins here. They went, I think it was five straight, or no, six straight wins, five straight losses, five straight wins or something along those lines. So very different teams that they're going to be looking at this weekend, but 
regardless, they're going to have to bring their best basketball if they want to come out of these with some wins. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I see a lot to see some people step up a little bit and um, kind of just take accountability for what's been happening. I mean, they've just been getting beat flat out um, by some good players. I mean, Cricky had a great game Saturday, and um, before that they saw Mast and Malaby Leon's kind of uh, do what they do best and do their thing in Seth Curina and then Ben Shepard before that. So, I mean, they're facing tough competition, tough individuals. Um, they really just need to kind of take charge and shut those players down like they have in their big upset wins. I think tonight's the kind of night that you're going you're to have the potential to do that. I mean, I don't think Murray State really has one player who stands out above them all. They're a little more balanced of an attack, so it'll be interesting to see what as a team they're able to do def- defensively here. So that game's at 7.30 tonight at SFQ Arena. Make sure to pop out to that one. Um, shift focus, a uh, little bit of a different mood in the ISU women's basketball team, but, I mean, there still seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of excitement there. I mean, they, that 11-game losing streak comes to an end with a five-point loss to Missouri State. Um, but third straight game that you're trailing by double digits, and you they won the first two, weren't able to get this one. I think they were trailing by as few as three, actually, late in the game there before uh, – uh, Missouri State put it away with a couple free throws, but they. I think the big thing here, and I talked about this on the other podcast, but Deanna Wilson only, was only able to play 14 minutes. Uh, she had five fouls. She only took three shots. Kate Bowman also fouled out. Hannah Kelly had four fouls. So, I mean, it's just really tough when a post presence like Deanna Wilson is out of the game for as long as she was because it hurts your ability to get the flow offensively. And it might be a concern because sometimes Deanna Wilson does get into these foul troubles, so you look at it and you wonder what kind of adjustments you're going to be able to make as a team. But I'm still very high on this team, and I think I still, to this day, I think this game tomorrow is even more important than it was before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Deanna Wilson is just so integral to everything that this team needs to do. I mean, it's easy to look at Paige Robinson and Mary Crompton as – the primary scorers, even though Wilson might average just a little more than Mary, I think. 0.2 points. Uh, yeah. It is. So, I mean, she's a scorer as well, and maybe the best scoring trio in the Valley right there. But um, it's just, if she's not on the floor, it just makes this team easier to beat, to be quite honest. I mean, um, she's so hard to stop in the paint when she's working and um, her shots are falling. And then, there isn't really anyone to replace her on the defensive end when she's not on the floor. Yeah, no, I would agree. And so they actually, Missouri State, held ISU's big three, if you want to call them that, um, to just 33 points. The only three of those coming from Deanna Wilson, Mary Crompton with her first scoreless game of the season, and then obviously Paige Robinson with the 30 points. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Maya Wong's performance. I think that's got to be up there for a season high this year with the 14 points there seem to be a lot more aggressive six free throws is a good sign as well we had talked about this before about how maybe the aggressiveness wasn't all there for Maya but to see that come back I mean four of eight from the field six of six from the line like we said Uh, she had an assist there a couple steals so I mean that's going to be integral to this team because Maya Wong's been there and she's doing her job but there have been times where it's almost like a background because like you said you have the big three of Paige Mary Deanna so Maya, though, she's starting to come onto the scene a little more, and I think that's going to be big for this team. And then the other piece, uh, Tashana Wright-Gaskins, uh, 22 minutes, she had 12 points and 9 rebounds. 
I would say it was probably her best performance of the year. Um, she did have the five turnovers, but two steals and a block to go along with all that. Um, she needed to step up with Deanna Wilson and Kate Bowman out with uh, fouls, and I think she did did just that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, another key to this team's success <clears throat> outside of the Stars, um, the big three, is just a number of players who need to play play their role. And um, I think you find that in Wong and um, – Kelly has stepped up recently over this, I'd say probably over the win streak overall, actually. Um, I think Kelly has stepped up a little bit. And then um, Tashana Wright-Gaskins, I mean, just a shot in the arm for this team. She's so energizing and really exciting to watch. So She makes highlight plays every week on the defense. It's, it's become typical for her. And I think that's just – I think you need those role players if you want to make a run in the tournament. And then uh, – get to the NCAAs again. I think you, this team, you're far from saying, oh, that's like, you're far from putting your head down after a loss like that. I mean, it's a five-point loss. You had won 11 straight. You almost thought it was bound to happen eventually after how the past two games had gone with you trailing, like I said, by 14-11, and then you were down 14 in this game. You thought eventually something would break, but it almost didn't. I mean, they almost made the march back, and I think that's the big part about this team is the way that they're able to fight like they did to uh, come back despite the adversity that they might face throughout the game. So a lot to look for, look up to, I think, with this team. And it's going to be interesting how this weekend plays out against Northern Iowa and Drake. I think I think this is going to be one of the most exciting weekends of the season for the Redbirds. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's easy to get down on the loss, but if you think about it, I mean, no matter how much you're favored by, to continue winning a, um, 11 straight times is impressive. And even to get upset after that, it doesn't take away from what they've accomplished so far this Not year. Not at all. And I think this is a team that, I mean, even if it shouldn't be held against them, this team's going to take that loss personally and um, really build on it. I'm very excited that they have um, a chance to play both teams they've lost to in the NBC so far again and see how those rematches pan out. I think that's going to tell you all that you need to know about this team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and like I this might sound a little weird to say, I almost think that loss was good for the Redbirds at this point because I think, I mean, you were at 11 straight. It would have been hard for you to go through the entire regular season and the MVC tournament without losing another game. I think this game showed them that they're not invincible, but it also showed them where their weaknesses are, and it's, they're going to work on those things, and they're going to use them to their advantage, I really think, over these next six games to close out the regular season. Um, obviously, like I said before, I think this game tomorrow night – arguably the biggest game of the year. You're, how can you bounce back after losing your first game in almost two months? And how do you bounce back after losing to Northern Iowa on your home court earlier this year uh, by 10 there? So um, big weekend ahead for the Redbirds. I'm really excited to see what they're able to do there. I think that's it for women's basketball. We'll move on to uh, women's tennis. Uh, they had their first loss of the year. Um of the season. Uh, they're 3-1 and one now in the spring, uh, but I don't think you can put your head down after that 5-2 to a, a really solid Illinois team. Uh, maybe a little higher level competition. We talked about this last week than what they had seen through the first three meets of the year, but you still have I mean, your bright spots. Like I said, 5-2. You still have Tiana Zlatanovic and T- Tara Demjanovic uh, performing at a high level against, like I said, the really good uh, Illinois team. So I think there's a lot of good to take out of this despite the result. 
Yeah, I think that duo is just going to be um, every week. Yeah. What the, what defines this team? I mean, you can't really stop talking about them just because of how good they are. And um, I think this team is really going to be primed to, you know, dominate in the Missouri Valley Conference once that time comes. Um, I'm really excited to see what they're able to do, and especially that duo leading the way. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really exciting uh, for the women's tennis team as they, uh, they're actually in action, I think, as we speak. I don't believe that that's finished up yet. Um, they're playing Northern Iowa right now uh, at the Evergreen Racquet Club, and then this Sunday they'll be traveling to Chicago to take on Chicago State. Um, so, yeah, like we said, I mean, Illinois is really good competition, and it's going to be some of the tougher competition you'll play this year. So we'll see how they bounce back against uh, Northern Illinois and Chicago State this weekend. Uh, the next thing, uh, men's golf, back in, back in action this past weekend, uh, first action of the spring season at the uh, Border Olympics. Uh, maybe not exactly how they wanted it to go, but, I mean, that's a tough field they're going up against at the Border Olympics. Uh, ninth after day one, and then in the end they would finish uh, in 11th place. Um, you're seeing a lot of, I think you're seeing a lot of the names that you're going to see mostly throughout this year. Uh, Valentin Puegnet, one of those names, and Alex McCullough. Uh, Alex McCullough actually finished tied for 30, 34th overall in the tournament, three-round score of 224. Uh, big improvement after being tied for 57th after the first day. So um, a lot of really good, solid individuals on this team, and it's going to be uh, – this seems going to be a lot of fun to watch because, like I said, I mean, it's early in the year. This is your first match. They didn't find quite the success that the women's golf team was uh, amazingly able to have last week when they broke so many records, but this is going to be a really fun team to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Poignet and McCullough have been very impressive, um, especially in the fall. And I'm excited to see what this team can do in the spring um, behind those two. And there's a number of other contributors to that squad. But um, I think you can really trust in the coaching there. Ray Carlos does a great job with that team. And um, I think this team has a lot to prove. I mean, they are defending a conference championship i believe, I believe yeah. yeah and um i mean there's a lot that comes with that so i wouldn't um be too worried about this i mean you face great competition um and i think they have a lot to build on from that tournament that outing um and all those golfers are just so talented when they don't score how they like to they're gonna take it personally and just um get better because of it so I think it's exciting to see where this team can go this year. Yeah, definitely. They have almost a month off here actually now before they uh, get back in action at the Desert Mountain Collegiate here at the beginning of March. Um, so make sure to tune in when that comes around. Uh, but, yeah, like we said, I mean, I think it's a really exciting team. Uh, I think this was a good start despite what the results might have said because that's some solid competition you're going up against. Uh, the next thing we do want to talk about, uh, gymnastics. Uh, they're Probably their best performance of the year. Uh, one of their best performances in recent memory, really, when you really look at the deeper uh, stats behind it. But, I mean, that's a tough competition there. I believe all three teams they went up against were ranked, or they're all Power 5 schools that they were going up against. And they put up Angelica Labat had uh, a 9.825, their highest score on the day, which was part of um, their 48.9000 score in the bars, uh, which was ISU's second best tally in the event on the year so i mean they did not back down at all to the competition despite getting fourth out of those uh four teams like i said it was number four utah number 22 illinois and number 18 georgia so i mean they finished with uh 195.85 points and that was uh 
or that was Utah, I'm sorry. And ISU was, I believe, less than three points behind them. So, I mean, just a really good, uh, really good strong performance against a high-level competition. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's kind of a bummer their best score of the year wasn't um, enough to knock off any of those teams. I mean, you're seeing some great programs there. But, I mean, we just saw they took home two um, Midwest Independent Conference uh, honors for the week. Um, because of that performance and I mean that score that number if they can build on that continue to play up to those um, big programs like that when they're not competing against them I mean this team's going to be really successful in their conference and going forward yeah definitely like I was talking about so I mean you obviously Utah's a very good team number four team in the country they finished with the uh, 197.6 so that's actually less than two points more than the Redbirds the Redbirds were within point three points of Georgia and were within point six points of, uh, or point five points actually of Illinois. So I mean, you were very close to taking down some of the best teams in all of collegiate gymnastics, and I think that's a really good sign. Despite maybe, like I said before, getting fourth out of those four teams, I think this was a a really important event for the the Redbirds this past weekend before they. Uh, head into uh, Southeast Missouri State here this coming weekend. Uh, actually, they'll host. Southeast Missouri State this weekend. So, uh, yeah, I just I think you come away with this really happy with your performance. If that's just me. Mm. Um, next thing we do want to talk about track and field. Uh, we talked about a really big week for gymnastics, but I don't think anybody really had a bigger week than track and field with how many records fell. Uh, uh, Rachel Hickey broke the school record, and then Riley Wells, um, I believe, broke the 25 year old is what it was the school record there. Uh, in the 800-meter run. So a lot of records were falling for the Redbirds, and it's just more of the same for this track and field team that just continually, week after week, performs at a high level no matter who their competition is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's exciting to see this team, um, and it seems like we've been saying that about each program we've talked about, but it's true. I mean, um, they're really doing well early in the year, and it's exciting to see where they're going to go. Um, competing against great competition. I think Illinois State Athletics as a whole does a good job of putting itself out there. I mean, if you're the least notable school in the meets and the competitions that you go to, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a great learning experience for these athletes to um, perform against them and um, kind of have takeaways that could guide ISU to the levels of prominence uh, like the teams that it's playing against. So um, I think... Illinois State's really going to benefit from these um, the tough schedules that it gives itself early in the year, and um, definitely the case with the track and field program, especially splitting up this uh, the past couple weekends and um, just still excelling, still doing well, and you want to see them breaking those uh, personal records, the school records, obviously, um, even if you're not placing first or anything in the meets. Yeah, definitely, and they only have actually two more regular season meets here, uh, both this weekend. They have the Friday night special in Charleston, Illinois, Friday, before the Elks Wilson Invite in South Bend, Indiana, Saturday, and then they have the MVC Championships uh, next weekend before the NCAA National Championships two weeks uh, later. So um, really just a lot to look forward to for this team, like you said. I mean, week in, week out, they're continuing to perform at a high level, and it's really exciting to watch. The last thing I think we do need to talk about today, uh, the softball team began their season. Um, it might not have gone exactly as they hoped, but there were still a lot of bright spots for this team. 
Uh, they started one and three at a really tough uh, University of South Florida tournament this past weekend. Um, that loss to Florida obviously stings, twenty-one uh, nothing there. But overall, I think they have a lot to bring out of this with uh, Tina Kramos in her first uh, tournament as head coach. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just talked about it. They're playing great competition, and I think looking around the NCAA softball schedule from last weekend, that was maybe the most prominent tournament you could be involved in. Um, it was the opening week of softball, college softball, and they were in one of the more notable tournaments. I think that says a lot about this program, and it takes a lot to go down there and compete and put yourself out there. Um, especially, I mean, Kramos looking for her first win. It would have been easy to schedule, you know, a quick game against an easier opponent. But um, she still ended up with a win um, in that third game. And I think this team has a lot of um, – th- a very high ceiling, I should say. They have a very high ceiling, and I think that these early season matchups are going to get them to that point. And um, they kind of have unfinished business in the MVC tournament after last year and a lot of um, work to improve. I think Emmy Olsen coming back says a lot, and this team is going to kind of ride with her and behind its veteran pitching staff as it um, gets into conference play later in the year. Yeah, Hannah Ross and Amanda Fox, obviously veteran there. Hannah Meshnick uh, had her first performance with Redbirds this past week and cheated Really solid work. I mean, at times she got a little, into a little bit of trouble, but she was able to escape it pretty well. And then offensively, Brandy LaFontaine and Jaden Standish were some big names to look out for as they were seemingly the main source of offense for the Redbirds over the uh, the weekend. So, uh, like we said, I mean, a lot to look forward to for this team. It's early in uh, Tina Kramos' career. Um, as you said, it's one of the more prominent uh, tournaments this past weekend in all of collegiate softball. So, uh Big weekend coming ahead here as they look to bounce back a little bit at the Littlewood Classic with uh, five more games, actually. They only played four this weekend, as this past weekend as one of them got canceled. But I, like you said, I think this team, a lot to look forward to, kind of similar to the men's team or the baseball team in terms of a veteranish uh pitching staff. But then uh, positional-wise, it's a little different to see how they're going to pan out that way. But, yeah, a lot to look forward to this team, to say the least. Uh, I think that's it for me. Anything else from you, Reed? That's all I got. All right, so make sure to keep track of all the action on our Twitter accounts at the underscore vidette and at Biddy underscore sports, and we will see you all next week.